Independent yet all the same Left the labels but still following the rules Doing it their way Hey For what? It is a different world with creatives on campus where we explore all things creatives, campus, and culture. I'm your host, Brittany T, and I'm here today with Yvonne Pearson. Um, Yvonne, thank you so much for being with us. Are you with us today, sis? <laughs> yes, I am, sis. Okay. I was just waiting for you to get your intro done. I didn't okay. want to interrupt the magic, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yes, yes. No, thank you. But um, tell us, just tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are. And um, yeah, let's just get it started with knowing a little bit more about you. Sure. So I am a 30 something creative. (laughs) (laughs) I live here in the Washington, D.C. area. For those of y'all who live in the region, I live in Prince George's County, but we stay Washington, D.C., because nobody know anything outside 202 zip code. But anyway, (laughs) I've been in marketing for a little over eight going on nine years. And I started my business, Pink Dollhouse, in 2017. After being a blogger for about five years, I decided to turn my blog into a business. And, you know, I think it's really important to emphasize getting paid what you are worth. And as a blogger, sometimes you cannot demand the same amount of money for a campaign or providing event marketing or anything like that, sponsorship that you would if you had a W-9 that went along with your name. You hear me, sis? Okay. Listen, nobody knows that. So like by doing so, I was able to demand or ask for more money for my services. And that also gave me a platform for not just myself, but also as a black creative here in this area and as a woman who owns a business as well. Mm. Uh, outside of that, I've, I love to podcast. I co-host a podcast called The Little Black Book Podcast. And I am also an avid community service person. I volunteer frequently with Suited for Change, which is an organization based here in D.C. that focuses on getting women and men now back to work through clothing and services, like career services. And also I work with iFly Youth, which is a tourism-based organization that teaches young black and brown girls of color about tourism and the travel industry and exploring the world outside of their backyard. You better come on and be just getting your life. And yes, I'm here for all of these things. Yes, yes. So let's just back up a little bit. You talked about Pink Dollhouse and how um started as a blog and then you converted that into an actual business. Can you just talk a little bit more about that? Sure. So the blog, I do not have it anymore because I wanted to make more of my focus on my business. I okay. still consider myself a bit of a micro influencer. So I don't have like 30 plus thousand followers. However, I do have a lot of engagement with my followers. So I still do work with brands from time to time for marketing and promotion on my personal page. For Pink Dollhouse, my main focus is continuing to work with small businesses, more focus on the creative community, like, you know, fashion, beauty, art. And then also I recently added services that involve tourism marketing services. So solutions for destinations that may not have the bandwidth to do the follow-up with those sales calls, to do the email marketing needed, 
for their fan tours or even doing their social media posts and creating content for them. Because their budgets are so limited by what they're given based on the government and that budget and also what their members pay and dues per year, sometimes they cannot afford to pay someone full time to do that work, which is where I come in and take those things on for them through a contract basis. Got you, got you. So, you know, this show is a lot about um, really looking at the college experience and how creatives are represented on college campuses. Is is this blog, is Pink Dollhouse, is that something that you started um, back in college? Were you even in that creative mindset and viewing yourself as a blogger, as an entrepreneur? Um, just talk a little bit about your college experience as a creative. You know, it's interesting you said I didn't start blogging um, until 2010 to 2011, which I graduated in 2009 from college at the height of the recession. And when I was, yeah, when I was in school, social media wasn't really a thing. We had Facebook. And to let you guys know how old I am, we had Facebook (laughs) and you had to be in college. To have yes. a Facebook account. Talk about it. That's when Facebook was lit. Wasn't Facebook lit when it all you was. had to do was be in college? It was more exclusive, Ooh. too. Just like... It was. You know, yeah. when Big Mama and them got on there, they were always in your business. <laughs> you couldn't, like, you know, be doing what you was doing no more. You had to kind of leave there. <laughs> yes. But just to give you like that kind of mindset of, you know, where I was in terms of this digital, these digital platforms almost exploding into everyday life and also the job market. So in college, I started out in college wanting to be a doctor. And when I look back on it now, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> like, that was not a good idea. But I thought I wanted to be a pediatric surgeon. That was my focus. You know, that was part of what my academic scholarship was focused on. And I took one semester of college-level biology, and I realized one of two things. One, I was reading a fashion magazine. It was in style, the fall issue, in the middle of my bio book while they were explaining, I think it was mitosis or osmosis, one of osises they were explaining (laughs) to me. And And then two, I realized, the whole doctor thing wasn't for me when we had to dissect a pig. Thing I did wrong, I named him Wilbur, so I got too attached, and then also the smell knocked me out. Oh so my! I passed out on the floor because <laughs> of the smell. So it was a lot of, yeah, it was a lot of self discovery that I had to go through. Uh, I changed my major five times, and it wasn't until I was able to make my own major which my bachelor's degree, it says art history, but it actually is in advertising art and marketing. So I took a combination of marketing courses, art history courses, and art courses for my education. So that really gave me, because there was no, you know, digital marketing department then because it was too early. So that really gave me a basis of how to look at the world differently from a perspective that people still don't understand how much art really goes into everything that you see every day, every magazine, every campaign, foreground, middle ground, background, color theory, and then taking that mindset and thinking about the business side of it with marketing, with product, place, pricing, and promotion, the four Ps. So that, that education and combination gave me the skills I needed to not only think as a creative, but to think as a business person as well. 
Right, right. No, I think that's, I think you made a lot of really, really great points. And one, just that what we're seeing now, and I think a lot of times we blur the lines between um, the millennial generation and this Gen Z, I believe they're called, or X or whoever. They somebody X. They somebody. somebody. <laughs> and no shade, you know, whoever they are. No shade. Right? No shade. <laughs> but I think you're right, like that, that, that culture has shifted in such a way where we grew up with social media, but not to the extent with which this generation behind us has really been engulfed in it. And like you said, Facebook started off for college students and, you know, and now it's just like, you know, my eight year old niece might have a Facebook page. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And just even the idea of being a creative, like, I'm not sure how new that term is for you um, Mm -hmm. or it's how new it is to culture and the way that we're seeing it more and more. Um, But for me, that term is really, really new um, in my exposure to it over the last maybe two years. Um, So, so I'm just curious for you, like, even though maybe you would not have um, coined yourself as a creative or, you know, there wasn't this, level of exposure do you can you see I mean even with your your uh, fields of study like advertising art history business like this combination of of things it to me that really resonates as a true creative in this um, intersection of all of these things would you reflecting back would you say that you can kind of see maybe even where that was being um, cultivated even back then Oh, yeah, definitely. And as someone, you know, growing up, I didn't know what a creative was. And like you said, until recently, it's still a very new coined term. However, looking back on it, and even talking to my mom, I've always been a creative. Mm -hmm. I've always like love color, love art, you know, been imaginative. I was that kid who was so extra in class when we had to create dioramas. I created a three foot diorama of Titanic when we were learning about Titanic and had like mm-hmm. full ports on there and windows and like little people on the um, the deck and things like that. I've always been someone who was imaginative, but I thought I was weird because I didn't fit in with right, everyone right. else. Right. You know, I thought I was weird because I like to color and I like to read and I like, you know, having my glitter markers and construction paper and was always doing something. And I always thought I was just this kid who just, you know, wasn't into what everybody else was into. And it wasn't until, I like to honestly say, it wasn't until college and I had my aha moment when I was taking an art history class on romanticism and impressionism. And I will never forget the way looking at a piece, I think it was by Rembrandt, if I can remember, the way it made me feel. Mm-hmm. When I wa- when I looked at that painting, the way that I could interpret, you know, things about that painting that even my professor didn't even think about, you know, right, and right. it let me know that my mindset is not weird. I can see the world differently and mm-hmm. that's okay, you know, and then taking those skills and running my college's first ever charity fashion show to raise money for AIDS in Africa and the Invisible Children, I not only directed the show, but I did the marketing strategy behind it. I did the creative behind it and worked with photographers on my campus. I promoted it, 
you know, work with other campuses and media outlets to get it out there. I did everything down to designing the t-shirt for the show and wow. also making the jewelry with my jewelry making class. Like, but it didn't, I just thought I was being Yvonne. I didn't know that there was a career path that I could follow until after I graduated from college and I found myself without a job because of the recession. I lost um, the job I had lined up that I had no game plan. And not having a game plan was the best blessing in disguise I ever had. It allowed right. me that, that space to discover who I am and who I wanted to be. And it gave me a chance to work as a brand manager for both Ralph Lauren and BCBG to work in New York Fashion Week, to work as a, a fashion events assistant and as a PR intern and to like hustle and grind and really discover who Yvonne wanted to be so that the person that she is now is fully confident and self-assured that she knows she ain't wishy-washy. She just, she's just different. And I, right, I can't fit right. into your box. So, wow. you know, I know that was an extended answer, but, uh, you know, no, that's, that's I mean, how I, it is. It's, it's, it's perfect. And I think for our audience, which is the student creative who, you know, is in that same similar situation of feeling like, you know, maybe even in a major that they don't fully identify with or, doesn't totally encompass what they see themselves doing, or maybe they don't even know what they want to do. I think what you're, what you're saying is, is absolutely on point. Um, which is that sometimes there isn't a box to put us in. There isn't a major to put us in and there isn't a one path, uh, to label us in because we're, we're evolving. We're, we're, it's just that we're our own individual person. Um, and I, I love, I love everything you said about that because again I think that's just that's so relatable right like yeah yeah and and feeling like the weird kid you know and I was telling my mom that too and I said mom I didn't fully accept who I was as a person completely until I was probably 27 28 years old you know before then I got the biggest slack from people like well why can't you just choose one career path and stick to it. It's like, look, I know I want to work in marketing. I just have to find my fit of that, you know, that company that I can work for. And being in the recession didn't help either because the job market sucked. Yes. You got, these, these are college students, right? Let, let me tell these kids something, okay? <laughs> Y'all opportunities out here in these streets as a creative are beyond anything I could have ever imagined. I would have been so much further if I would have had the jump start that these kids coming out of school have now. I didn't have a creative events assistant or a creative marketing coordinator or an IGTV specialist or anything like that. Right. Those were not my options. My options, girl, and I'm this is you know me code switching. My options were <laughs> to not <laughs> was knocking door to door selling Verizon files. Yes, those are my yes. options. My wow. options was was working at a talent, air quote, talent agency, pushing their services onto some parent who could barely afford their services in the first place as a marketing coordinator. Those were my options. It was either work for free or work at a job where you weren't really doing anything close to what you were doing or work retail and figure your hustle out later. And I chose the latter. I work retail and I figure my hustle out later. This is so interesting to me, and this is just changing gears, but you just said, you know, 
job roles like IGTV specialist, right? Like this is a real live job description that I'm sure exists for for major corporations, small businesses. And when thinking about higher education and college um, engagement, I sometimes wonder to what extent our curriculums are being updated, to what extent our faculty and professors who you know, might have been in the marketing game for the last 40 years, the ways in which they're really embracing and teaching these opportunities, because number one, it's exposure is a big thing. And um, if you don't know what jobs are available to you, you don't know what opportunities are available to you, you will think you have to be a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher, a firefighter, a police officer, or some other common, um, you know, occupation, which is nothing wrong with any of them, but there are so many options that I see being frowned upon because people don't understand the options as being legitimate, as being recognizable within industries. Um, And even parents, again, like just these different categories of people who don't understand the industry and the way it's evolving and changing based on their own lack of exposure, just what what do you think about even the future of of the way we have to change our teaching and learning approaches and our styles and just to continue to keep up with the way things are evolving? I think that our future of education is starting to see a slight shift. There is a lot more of a focus now, now Brittany, on STEM, uh, which is great because we need more uh, technical thinkers in this world to create the bridges and tools of our future. However, mm-hmm. we cannot ignore the creative child who shows so much potential at a young age who, you know, you may get mad if they're coloring on your walls because, you know, you pay right. for those walls. However, take that kid from coloring on your walls and put them in some art classes. Right. You know, take your, take your child who may love video games or, you know, may love building things with those Legos you say stepping on and put them in a coding class or put them in some kind of creative art class to show them that their mind thinks in a different way. There's nothing wrong with it. And I think a lot of times, especially in color, people of color communities, we sometimes get caught up in what is safe. You know, right. we want our kids to, to make it out of this neighborhood, to come up, to do better than our parents, do this, do that. And when our children choose a path that's different from the game plan our parents had from day one, it becomes a problem. The first Absolutely. thing they say is, you ain't going to make no money doing that. How Absolutely. do you know that? How do you know? <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't allow me to believe in myself, how do you know I can't make money doing this career? So I think in our education, especially with the arts being taken out more and more and being cut in the budget, it's important for a for parents, because I'm not a parent, but for parents, for for our generation to mentor and foster the growth of this next generation through different programs and really be active in showing students and kids in secondary and primary school what different career options look like and what different levels of success look like. I think that that's something that we need to, to push for in our messaging. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we're not there right now, but I see a lot of great programs out here that are doing things differently and continue to do things differently. Like Red Sprinkle, my friend Mariana, she owns her own nonprofit, which teaches young African-American and women of color 
in DC's um, most underserved communities about fashion design, about construction, about entrepreneurship. She's teaching these young women and men how to think of themselves as business owners and wow. as business owners who are also creative. So there's change happening. It just takes yeah. time, but it also takes capital. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I absolutely agree with you. I, I do see the changes happening, especially when I come into places like, like where you are in DC and um, I'm, I'm based in South Jersey, but I, I go into Philadelphia three, four days out the week to, to work, but also um, because that culture is more quickly evolving um, to acknowledge some of the things that we're talking about. Um, and so I think regionally where you are, you know, I was at a conference in Atlanta two weeks ago and I was just overwhelmed by like the energy and the creative, uh, the creative community there. And so I definitely think, you know, even some of these changes, it matters where you are. If you don't mind sharing, where, where did you even attend college um, for undergrad or grad or whatever, whatever portion of your education? Sure. So for undergrad, I went to a PWI. For those who are not familiar with what that is, it's a predominantly white institution. And I went to, yes, (laughs) I went to a PWI called McDaniel College out in Westminster, Maryland. And even though it had its challenges, because when I started, we were the largest African-American student enrollment that they ever had, which was only 30 of us. Wow. On, in that freshman year class out of about roughly two to 300 students enrolled. Mm-hmm. So it, it definitely was eye-opening for me as someone who grew up in a predominantly um, diverse community, a predominantly black high school, black and Latino high school, going to a place where I realized I was the minority. So gotcha. going from somewhere where I didn't notice, I knew I was black, Mm-hmm. But I didn't notice I was black until I went to college and people would, you know, stare at me or ask questions that just seemed so asinine. I don't even want to repeat them. Mm-hmm. However, what that did for me going to a smaller college allowed me to stand out a lot more and to take advantage of opportunities that sometimes we're not afforded because of the circles we run in. Mm-hmm. So and also, too, being able to speak confidently in a room that already doubts my intelligence. Wow. I, I think people don't realize, you know, going to an HBCU, I had the choice of going to an HBCU, but financially, the school right. that was paying me the most money to go to school was this predominantly white institutions that I got into. So money-wise, I had to go where the money was. I wanted to go to Selman. <laughs> I really I wanted like to go to Selma, but like a weekend program, you, and stay the night. I did all that, and I was like, no, no more. Right. I was sold. I wanted to be Whitley Gilbert. I wanted to find yes. my Dwayne Wayne on yes. campus. You know, I was ready to live a different world. I was mad. Hillman was not a real school, first Listen. and foremost. <laughs> but going to a PWI afforded me a different lens of how the world truly sees me, and mm-hmm. also. Being a black creative, I know that there is a difference, to tell you the truth, there's a difference between how black creatives are perceived and how other cultures perceive us as black creatives. 
So I noticed the funding is different. You know, the reach or the promotional opportunities are different. We bring in the same or even more of a potential economic dollar with our following, but someone else with a lesser following than us, a lesser um, engagement than us gets the sponsorships and they get the big corporate partnerships. We, however, may get some free merchandise sent our way to wear on the gram. Wow. So I know that I know that one bid to attend it, but I, I kind of saw how the world was shaped and how I can potentially reshape it through my own personal experiences and also re-educating people on why we do matter and why our voices matter. It's so interesting. I, I, share so, I share so many similarities with you, like also going to a PWI, also wanting and having gotten accepted to HBCU, but just the funding not being there. Um, but quite differently than what I'm hearing you say, I, I didn't feel like I had a voice. And I, and I think the just being over, also went to a school. I mean, you know, I went to Drexel, which was, you know, Probably oh yeah, out. I got into Drexel. Yeah, girl, you should have came to Drexel, and I probably, you know, would have had some representation. <laughs> 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 Life could have been different, but <laughs> you know, I would be in lecture sizes the 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 size of your of your injury class, like three hundred a three hundred person lecture, two hundred and fifty students, and would be one of maybe two or three students of color. Um, one of or two of those students of color might have even been students who were um you know African and a lot for 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 the ones that I encountered did not made it very clear that they were not African American and didn't associate with us in different ways, which was even more of like a culture shock for me in a lot of different ways um so I just think I'm just fascinated with and you know everything has something to do with the upbringing and uh, everything right with with that voice mm-hmm. and having that voice but I, I absolutely just felt like I was out of place and you know really struggled with even staying enrolled um, beyond my first year because I'm like like a lot of students that I'm learning I don't belong here college isn't for me you know these are all the thoughts I'm thinking because I don't see myself represented because I don't feel that the language that is being used in these teaching and learning experiences are culturally adaptable or, you know, like I need an interpreter to understand some of this stuff. That, that was more of my feeling. So I guess, what do you think the, your, 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 the size of your school and like that intimate, more of an intimate setting, do you think that definitely played a part or? Um, I do think it played a part. I, I do relate on a lot of things that you said about, you know, feeling like you didn't fit in because my freshman year was hard. Even though I had my tribe on campus, we were a small tribe. However, okay. not all of us took the same classes. So I would be in these classes, you know, being the only. I, and I got mm-hmm. so used to, Brittany, to give you an idea, that school made me feel so uncomfortable until I became comfortable being the only. So at first I used to notice I was the only black person in the room. Now it's like, it takes me a minute. I'm like, oh, I'm the only black person in this room, but I belong. I have my seat at the table. You can't take that from me. And that's the kind of confidence going to that school gave me 
because of, you know, the circumstance of where I was in, I knew I had to be twice as good. I knew I had professors there thinking that I was some kid who lived and was raised in the ghetto, which ain't nothing wrong with being raised in the ghetto. But they thought I was some, some kid who needed their charity work or their help. I had a teacher who, because I wasn't her favorite black student, actively made it so made it hard for me in her class where she didn't have time to tutor me after class if I needed help. Her office hours would change at the last minute. And she failed me even when I was asking for help and asking for assistance. And when she saw me, my junior going into my senior year, she walked up to me and said, Oh, I'm surprised you're still here. Oh wow. And I I was like, those kind of things I learned how to recognize the microaggressions and things like that and what those things look like. But I was able to build my confidence and build that thicker skin of what the real world was going to give me on a day-to-day basis. It was going to doubt my intelligence. It was going to tell me I didn't belong at that table. It was going to reduce me to be the one taking notes, even though I may be the manager or the VP or the COO. I'm automatically the person they want to take notes at the meeting, even though I have my subordinates sitting right there at the table, and it's their job to take notes. It told me those things in those four years and how to see and recognize and grow for them and let that know it was not going to define me at the same time. That their rules, I don't have to play by your rules to win. I can play by my own. Girl, I'm over here like finger snapping in the air. Like, and that is, that is powerful. And, and I, I appreciate you saying that because I think that is, that's a great reminder for just, you know, our, our listeners, but even for me, cause you know, as much as I, I I walk in this black girl magic and I affirm myself, you know, there are moments where I feel super tried. And in those moments there, it sometimes it feels like it, it, it could just be easier to shrink than to have to keep fighting and re and being a, you know, a resistor to these different cultural structures and political structures. And, um, so thank you for sharing that. I'll just say that. <laughs> oh, of course. And and sometimes we need to hear it. Cause I know there's a sister girl right now sitting in class with her natural crown, just glowing for the world. And she has someone who's reaching out to touch her hair or the asking, mm-hmm. you know, if it's nappy or coarse, or you have a sister girl who has her beautiful bundles in and they're asking, you know, you know, where her weave came from or, or using connotations and words that are insulting to her and she's trying to figure out how to combat and recognize that but unfortunately what sis is handling in the classroom is training her up for the boardroom she's going to have to deal with that there too you know she's going to have to deal with people over hyper sexualizing her body where she's wearing the same skirt as her co-worker but because the way her body is shaped it looks different it's a problem it's too revealing and those are things that she cannot help but we have to also continue to recognize that as creatives and as we go more into these air quote diverse and inclusive spaces that we're going to be the ones challenging those ideas of what they consider an inclusive environment you know what they consider inclusive do you consider my hair inclusive do you consider my body type inclusive do you consider my um, my identity as my gender inclusive or how i choose to identify as a you know, in terms of the spectrum and sexual orientation, is that inclusive to you as well? Because creatives don't like falling in your idea of a box. They like to live amongst the spectrum. So 
as we continue to challenge those ideas, how are we helping to combat but also change those perspectives ourselves as we go up the ladder of success? Are we changing it or are we just going along with it just to get along? Absolutely. Absolutely. This has all been so good. I'm just like, I feel like I'm taking in some of this for myself selfishly and also like just excited for our listeners to to be able to hear this. Um, what what just maybe, you know, if you had to leave a, a final just word of advice to and I think you've already said it, but just if there's anything else to a student, to a creative who is really, you know, coming into themselves and feeling like they, they have an idea of what they want to do, but it seems to be a little out of the box and, and, and they're not able to find right now maybe the support and maybe their faculty or professors or even their own parents, family. What can you say to them? What word of advice did you have for them? Oh, wow. Uh, what I say a lot of times in the quote, don't just think outside the box, reconstruct it. So if you don't, if you're the kind of person who thinks outside the box, take those thoughts and create something new. If they don't have the program that you need on campus, start that program. If there's not a job in your field that you really want right now, create your own job. When you get on that job, it may not be what you want initially, but do your time and your work there and revamp that role into what you want it to be. You're only limiting yourself by what your thoughts are. So if you mm-hmm. think big, you become something bigger than you can ever imagine. Girl, you just came with all of the gems. Don't just think outside the box, reconstruct it. I love that. Thank love you. That. <laughs> I have to make sure we quote you on that. And speaking of quoting yeah. you, what is the best way we can follow you? Social media, what's your website? Got to know. Yeah, sure. So social media, I am on the gram under at pink doll style, no spaces. And my Twitter, if you want to follow, now I do watch a lot of reality TV, y'all. So it's not going to be PG-13. It's on <laughs> the same handle <laughs> at pink doll style. And my website is www.pinkdollhousemarketing.com. Perfect. Yvonne, I am so, so grateful just for you coming on and sharing um, a little bit about your journey as a creative and even some of your, your, your college student experiences and how that's just gotten you to where you are. And I'm sure our listeners appreciate Um, everything that you've shared, all these gems you've dropped. And so, again, just thank you so much. Um, We appreciate you, and you are definitely family now. So, you know. Oh, yay. We're in the cookout. (laughs) Cousin, right? (laughs) Hey, girl. (laughs) Yes, yes. But um, we will definitely, definitely hope to have you back on in the future and just to continue to support what you're doing with Pink Dollhouse. Um, yeah, and just best to you yeah. and your endeavors. Hopefully you'll be employing some of our future student creatives over the next several years as your business continues to just take off. And we're just excited to be connected connected, and um, and to know you and watch your journey. So best to you. Yay. you so much. Thank you so much, Britt. I- Really appreciate your time today, and I look forward to the show dropping and supporting the show. 
yes yes and for everyone listening please be sure to follow us um online via instagram at creatives on campus if you are a college student uh creative on a college campus where you are not necessarily getting the support that you need or if you just want to get tapped into another network of creatives who are also students that can relate to your journey um, you want to know about opportunities to volunteer, opportunities for mentorship, and even job opportunities, definitely, definitely feel free to connect with us on Instagram, follow us, and even send us an email, creatives at happilybetter.com. Until next time, thank you guys so much for listening, and stay encouraged, stay creative. <laughs>